So today we're looking at uniqueness of identity and uniqueness, you know, of responsibility. Um, and this is a this is a really delicate sort of subject because I'm sure that at the end of the day we will be able to you know identify one or two things, one or two areas that we may need to make certain adjustments in our lives. Uh, let's start from Genesis. Let's take our reading from Genesis chapter 1, verse, uh, verses 26 and 28. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 28. It says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Okay, uh, we will look more into that very shortly. But uh, before we go on, it's important that we understand something. Um, God created every man differently. God is not like other manufacturers that create a prototype and then they just mass produce. Uh, God's system of reproduction is quite different. So that's why you see anything anything that is of nature, uh, there are no two things that are exactly the same or alike. So for instance, you pluck mangoes from the same mango tree, but somehow all of them, you know, they have unique features, different. Um, even animals, their offsprings, you know, uh, their offspring rather, they, they look different. Same way, we all look different from our siblings, even though we came, you know, we came from the same parents. You mean, I mean, even identical twins. Uh, if you spend if you spend enough time with identical twins, after a while, you begin to notice the difference between them. That okay, uh, although they are identical, but there's lots of differences in the, You know, either their attitude, their character, their personality, or you even see some unique features in their looks. That okay, this one has this, and this one doesn't have that. And uh, the reason biometrics is a big deal these days is because, you know, they said the chances that you can have the same thumbprint with another human being is 1 over 24 billion. 1 in 24 billion possibilities that you can have the same uh, thumbprint, the same fingerprint, or even the print of your tongue. Okay, and uh, this tells us something, that God, although God believes in, in reproduction, uh, God also believes in uniqueness. And the earlier we begin to understand, you know, uh, the fact that although we are all created by the same God, we all have our differences and we all have our uniqueness. Uh, the earlier we begin to understand that, the earlier we will begin to find our place. Because, uh, you know, like I've been saying, a lot of people, a lot of persons are running someone else's race. A lot of persons are... Uh, you know, living someone else's life, living someone else's dream, living someone else's purpose. 
And we're going to be taking a very close look at, at some of these things today. Okay, um, if you're taking notes, I'd like us to write this down. It is important that, you know, we both discover our uniqueness and how God deals with us individually. Now, it's like this. Uh, for those of us that have siblings, you are all siblings of the same parent. But still, there is a uniqueness in the way each of you relate with your parents, right? It's the same thing. There is a uniqueness. You see, God, God is not a robot. God is not like Toyota. Like I said, that creates a prototype, you know, and then we'll just mass produce the same thing. And so what you see in one is what you expect in everything else. You see, this is why we are all the image and the likeness of God, right? But if you see, you know, when, when people say Chinese people look the same, it's just because you are not paying attention to details. Because the Chinese, the Japanese, they all look differently. I can differentiate a Chinese from a Japanese. I can... You know, I can differentiate a Malaysian from an Indonesian. I can differentiate an Indian from a from somebody from Bangladesh. You know, uh, although they, they all look the same in principle, but you know, when you take when you take a closer look, it's just like you can differentiate somebody from Nigeria and Ghana. What am I trying to say? Although all of us are the image and the likeness of God, you know, everyone comes out differently, and the fact that our physical and biological features are different is also an indication to let us understand that spiritually and in terms of purpose, God expects, you know, a little bit of difference and variety from every one of us. This is important because I have seen over and over again people trying so hard to be like someone else because they say, oh, this image is successful, this image is this, this image is that. And so they completely abandon their own uh, personality and then try to assume the personality of someone else. Okay, uh, I wrote a few things. I say every model of every brand has its peculiar feature. Okay, you cannot service a Mercedes the same way you service a Honda. Okay, when, when you look at cars, as a matter of fact, there are certain cars that require certain kinds of engine oil and certain kinds of this and certain kinds of that. You can't just say, okay, everything is automobile. And so uh, I am going to apply the same principle across the board. If you do that, you're going to be in trouble. I have seen people meet men of God, meet people generally and ask them questions like, um, how, how long do you pray? You know, how long do you pray? How long do you study? Uh, you know, how, how, how much fasting do you do? Why? Because they feel like if they can, you know, get the formula and find out how long this person prays and how long this person fasts and all of that, and they apply it, maybe they will now become that anointed or if they can even double it then maybe they can even be more anointed than that person and you see a lot of times people do these things and then they end up frustrated because they begin to feel like okay maybe this thing doesn't work or maybe this man of god lied to them but no the man of god told you sincerely what he does and it works for him but the thing is you can apply those same principles and they may not necessarily work for you this is why it is dangerous to preach our experiences we can use our experiences as examples, uh, but it is dangerous to preach our experiences. Unfortunately, in the body of Christ, there's so much of that going on today. You hear people talk about prayer, and I've heard men of God that I respect say, you know, if you are praying and you are sitting down, you are not serious. You know, things like that. You know, Okay, if, if walking around works for you, go ahead, walk around. If lying on the floor works for you, go ahead, lie on the floor. But if we do not understand that, firstly, 
uh, we are all different. Secondly, the fact that we are different also means that, you know, God relates with us differently. Thirdly, the fact that God relates with us differently also means that his expectations from us are different. If we don't understand these facts, we are going to frustrate ourselves in our walk with God. Because now you begin to compare yourselves with other people and what they are doing and then you frustrate yourself. The Bible says to everyone, grace is given according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Okay, um, if, you, if you look at all the prophets in the Bible, even Elijah and Elisha, which were like, okay, maybe the two prophets that walked very closely and one, you know, passed over the baton to the other, they were still very different in the way they operated. They were very, 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 very different. I, I see too many people trying so hard to be like someone else. And I, th there's nothing wrong with admiring somebody. There's nothing wrong with, you know, with picking a thing or two. The Bible says that let us be imitators, right, of those who through faith and patience obtain the promise. Let us be followers. Let us be imitators of those who through faith and patience obtain the promise. And like I said yesterday, uh, no, uh, like I've been saying through the week, sometimes we have to follow association. If you don't know where you are going to, you know, sometimes you follow people and then follow people that know where they are going to and then, you know, over time, you begin to understand that the direction for your own life. It's just like, uh, uh, you know, a bird or an eaglet that is being taught to fly. It has to follow the leadings of the of the of the mother eagle until it masters the art of flying. So, I am not against mentoring. I am not against. Uh, you know, following good examples. The Bible says we should follow the fate of certain people. There's nothing wrong with that. It's completely scriptural, but. I am against, and, and the word of God is against us, following to the point that we lose our own identity. Okay, so when you see certain persons following a man of God, and then they are now trying to make suits, you know, like him. They are now trying to make their hair like him. They are now trying to talk like him. They are now trying to do all of these things. A lot of times, it's actually a, it's actually a product of a loss of identity, because you feel like, if you don't put up these things, it will not be obvious that you are following this person. Okay, and that is why we need to be careful because every product, every product comes with a peculiar set of instructions. The way you handle a 2020 Toyota Corolla is different from the way you handle a 2015 Toyota Corolla. Okay, so if you don't understand this uniqueness in every product, um, there is every tendency that we will we will mismatch and then when we mismatch it you know we begin to malfunction let me give us some some examples when you look at somebody like samson in the bible samson was a unique guy he was anointed from the womb uh in the bible there are only two persons that i know that were anointed from the womb samson was one john the baptist was the other even jesus was not anointed from the womb Okay, uh, samson was anointed from the womb john the baptist was anointed from the womb okay so samson they were just there was just one instruction for Samson. One instruction. When you look at it, Samson was a, was a Nazarite, right? And uh, these people, if you read the book of Leviticus, it gives clear instructions. They shouldn't cut their hair. But apart from not cutting their hair, they, they should not take wine or strong drink. They should not touch women. They should not touch dead bodies or carcass of anything. So a Nazarite, even if a close family member dies, you are not allowed to touch their bodies. Otherwise, you will be defiled and you'll be unclean. But we know that Samson ate honey from the carcass of a lion. Nothing happened to his anointing. Samson slept with a prostitute. Nothing happened to his anointing. 
uh, what else? Samson fought with uh, with the jawbone of an ass. Nothing happened to, to his anointing. Samson drank alcohol. He drank wine. Nothing happened to his anointing. But when he violated that specific instruction about his life, that was the end of it. Okay, let's look at another example. In Genesis chapter 19, Lot was told to leave Sodom. And Lot was instructed, don't look back. Okay, he and his family, don't look back. If you look back, you'll become a pillar of salt. Now, a lot of persons have tried to say, uh, you know, the Lot's wife became a pillar of salt because she was looking at her past or things like that, or it was forbidden to look at Sodom and Gomorrah. But, you know, if we, if we read that story, the Bible says that Abraham, on the plains of Mamre, was beholding the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, and he didn't turn into a pillar of salt. But Lot and his family were instructed not to look back at Sodom and Gomorrah. So, you see, the turning into the pillar of salt was not because of looking at Sodom. It was because there was a specific instruction that had been violated. If you look at products, they all have specific instructions. Like I told us, uh, was it a day or two ago, I, I got uh, a, a, a pair of suits, really nice suits, and I gave it to my laundry guy, and he did not read the instructions for the dry cleaning. And he put the suit into the washing machine like every other, you know, every other product. And when it came out, the, the suit shrank. I couldn't wear it anymore. The, the trousers were flying. I couldn't wear them anymore. They shrank because the manufacturer put a specific instruction saying, this product, you wash at certain temperature, you do this, you do that, you do that. Okay? But you see, the, the, the problem is a lot of us, just like that suit, we are being thrown into the mix trying to live our lives based on everybody else's instruction and so we are not getting results and it becomes frustrating when you do not get results you will be frustrated you will be frustrated uh so so the question of you know how long do you pray how long do you fast you know this that, that. I, I, I like using this example kenneth Hagin said he never uh, fasted for more than three days three days Okay, when we look at people like Bishop Oedipo and Papa Adeboye, some of them have fasted as long as six months. Okay, they've lasted for as long as six months. Okay, uh, when it comes to prayer, um, you know, you ask somebody asked Smith Wigglesworth, "How long do you pray?" He said, "I've never prayed for. I don't pray for more than thirty minutes, but I've never gone more than thirty minutes without praying." That's his own prayer life. Kenneth uh, Casey Price. Casey Price says he speaks in tongues for 30 minutes and then he confesses the word for 30 minutes. That's his own pattern. Uh, uh, Gloria Copeland says she, she prays in, in the spirit for one hour. You see, but this is the problem. If we now begin to take all of these things and make formulas of them, and this is one of the issues I have with ministers and the body of Christ right now, because they take their personal experiences and how God deals with them personally, and then they try to make doctrines and laws and formulas of these things. So try to imagine Samson now being the pastor of a denomination and says, you know, you all, you cannot cut your hair. If you cut your hair, you're going to lose the anointing. Okay? Uh, that, that was a specific instruction to him as a person. And then he has made it a doctrine. You know, if, if God says, if God tells you, you know, stay off social media, stay off social media. It's a peculiar instruction to you. But if you now go and start telling people, you know, social media is evil, stay off social media, and you try to make a doctrine of it, then you are moving into error. And this I have seen repeatedly in the body of Christ, people trying to use, uh, to, to make a doctrine of a personal revelation. 
Okay, let's look at another example. Um, the, the 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 man of God in you know the, the uh, in the book of First Kings that went and prophesied to uh, to the king Jeroboam and the altar, you know, split. The instruction God gave him was simple: go prophesy, don't eat anything, and do not return the same way you came. Now try to imagine people now make that a doctrine and say when you go to a place and prophesy, don't eat there. <laughs> And then, you know, if you came in this way, you must not live that way. It's happening. I mean, entire denominations have been built on, on, uh, on, on personal experiences. Entire, I'm not just talking of doctrines now. I'm talking of entire denominations. There are certain denominations that do not wear shoes today. Why? Because they say when Moses stood in front of the burning bush, God said, remove your shoes for where you are standing is the holy ground. And so uh, we should not wear shoes. Can you see? so much error so much error in the body of christ because we're using personal experiences to to determine so many things that we should not be doing so it is imperative that every believer understand how god deals with them understand how god relates with you understand the the specific requirements for your own product because every product is different every product every brand is different you need to understand okay what is required of me you know in my prayer life what is required of me in my study life what is my anointing tied to uh, mr david said the other day that um he 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 really feels the presence of god whenever he's doing chores in the morning and he's playing music okay that is he has found out what works for him he has found out what works for him. Now try to imagine now him going to preach to people and say, you know, if you if you really want to experience the power of God, do chores and play music. Can, can you see this? And the problem is there's so much indoctrination going on in the body of Christ today. And then if you are, if you ask questions, they make it look like maybe you're not serious with God. Personally, I tell people beware of any system that gets agitated when you ask questions. Beware of any system at all that gets agitated when you ask questions because uh, it, it means that there is something shady and there's something fishy going on. Okay, so um, let, me, let me give us another example. Manna, for instance, the manna in, in, in the wilderness. The manna fell every day. The first day it fell, God told them, it came with an instruction, take enough for one day, don't keep for two days. Some people out of fear that, okay, this manna may not fall again tomorrow. They took enough for two days. What happened? The Bible says the second day when they opened it, it began to produce worms and it stank. Okay? Uh, but that same manna, the same manna now, on the Sabbath day, uh, Sabbath day is Saturday, by the way, it's not Sunday, Sabbath is Saturday, okay? A day before Sabbath, God told them, take enough for two days. The same manna that was forbidden for them to take for more than one day, they were taken for two days on the Sabbath day, and it didn't stink. The same manna they took and they kept in a pot, and they kept in the Ark of the Covenant, and it did not stink for 40 years. It did not stink. So you can see that there are specific instructions that God gives to people at different points in time. It is now dangerous for us to either make a doctrine of it or for us to uh, start trying to emulate specific instructions in the lives of other people. Because you see, that instruction was for him. You may do the exact same things and not get his results. 
the way you service a Toyota is different from the way you service a Honda. If you service a, uh, a, 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 a sorry, a Mercedes, if you service a Mercedes the way you service a Toyota, you may not like what you get. Although both of them are automobiles, but you may not like the results you get. You know, and I, I understand people do it with a very genuine heart and they, you know, they, they want to improve, they want to, you know, they want to be the best that they can be, but they are going about it the wrong way. The way to go about it is to ask. You see, last night before I slept, the Spirit of God told me, said, um, you need to ask more. You know, not ask in terms of asking questions, ask in terms of telling God you know, things that we want. Because, you see, the Bible encourages us to ask. Why? Because, like I have been teaching on this platform, uh, God can really not do anything except we ask him to or except we permit him to or except we invite him to. You know, like the illustration I used, if you own a house and you have tenants renting the house, while their rent is still active, you as the landlord, although technically you own that house, you cannot walk into that house anytime you like. You can only go on their invitation, you know, you, you can only go on their invitation or, you know, when they permit you. Even if something in the house is broken, you can't just go out of your goodwill and say, this is my house, I want to fix it. No, if they don't tell you our roof is leaking, come and fix it. You cannot just go on your own, you know, free will and decide to, to, to fix the roof. They can kick you out because at that point in time, legally, there is an agreement. They are the occupants of that house. They have legal authority and they have jurisdiction. Even though it is your property, they are the ones in charge at that time until their lease runs out. It's the same way the earth is. God owns the earth, but he gave the lease to man. He gave the lease to Adam. Okay, so until Adam's lease runs out, God is only going to be able to do as much on earth as we ask him to do. Okay, so a lot of, a lot of things, you know, all we need to do is just ask, okay, Lord, you know, what is the pattern for my own life? What, what are the specific, specific instructions for my own life? We must not assume that we know. We need to ask questions because you will be amazed how much you will learn if you will just ask and stop assuming. Knowledge is not, uh, knowledge is not assumed. It is acquired, okay? You don't, you don't assume knowledge, you acquire it. And so we, we see through scriptures, they are, you know, several examples of specific instructions when you look at the prophets uh, isaiah for instance was asked to prophesy naked it, ezekiel was asked to use dung to cook you know there was a particular prophet in the bible that he, he met a man walking on the streets and he told the man to smite him to strike him and the man said no you're a prophet i can't i can't smite you and he cursed the guy and then he went and told another guy smite me and then the guy beat him to a pulp you see, does that now mean that, you know, <laughs> every prophet should go around telling people to smite them? These are some of the reasons why we have so many errors in the body of Christ. No doubt you may have had, you know, a unique experience and you may have had a unique encounter. And God may have told you, you know, this is the key to your anointing. You know, this is this is what you do. If you, if, if you want the anointing, for instance, Kenneth Hagin, uh, you know, God told him... I'm putting the healing anointing in your in your palms, okay, in your palms. Uh, and then, if it's a devil, if it's a demon responsible for the disease, the heat, the fire you feel in your palms will move from your right hand to your left hand, okay. That's how Kenneth Hagin ministered. And so, the healing anointing was in Kenneth Hagin's hand. So you would not see Kenneth Hagin, even though he was also a healing minister. Kenneth Hagin did not minister like Benny Hinn. 
Benihin will worship and worship and worship for hours, and then he will make a simple prayer, and then people will start coming out of wheelchairs. Kenneth Hagin's anointing required that he laid hands on people. Same thing with Ora Roberts. Ora Roberts, if there was a if, if there was a tenth meeting of twenty thousand persons that needed healing, Ora Roberts would have to lay hands on every single one of them. He was also a healing minister. Kenneth Hagin was also a healing minister, but. Uh, uh, Catherine Coleman did not minister like that. Benny Hinn does not minister like that. So you see, if you now say, I, 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 I want to follow Kenneth Higgin and I want to follow Benny Hinn, you see, you're already confused. You're, you're already confused because now you're trying to decide, do I lay hands on people like Kenneth Higgin did or do I just pray for people like Benny Hinn does? Okay, and then you, you can now decide, okay, you know what, I'll just do a little bit of both. Uh, I'll lay hands on some people and then I'll pray generally for some people. <laughs> you know, you're, you're already getting yourself in a very, very, very difficult position. But I see it happen so many times. Ministers go to another church, they, 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 they look at the things that, th that are being done there and then they go to their church, try to replicate the same thing and then sometimes instead of their ministries to grow, members even begin to leave. The same thing that this guy does in his ministry and works for him, you replicate the same thing in your ministry and it becomes counterproductive. So we need to be careful. We need to be careful and seek God to get specific instructions for our lives because our identities are unique and the same way our assignments are unique and God expects us to, uh, to, to execute those assignments in a very unique way. So it's the duty of everybody to understand God's dealings with them uh, in 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 terms of how unique you are and how unique your assignment is and how unique your ministry is. Uh, if, if, if you want to just do copy, 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 and I know ministers that do it. They travel, go around, go to ministries and see how they are doing things. How are you doing and your church is growing? Okay, let me give you an example. Family Worship Center does not print flyers. I've never seen a flyer or a billboard for Family Worship Center. Apostle Joshua Selman does not do publicity for his meetings in Koinonia now. He doesn't do publicity. If you go to Zaria, you won't see one billboard with Apostle Joshua Selman. You won't see a flyer. Okay, but the place is always packed. Family worship center is always packed. Now, you will now decide, ah, Apostle Joshua Selman is my mentor or Pastor Sarah Omaku is my mentor. And then you say, uh, I'm not going to print flyers. I'm not going to do publicity for my meeting. It's only you and your household that will be in that meeting. Because you see, if God has not given you a unique instruction, a specific instruction in that area, don't do it. Uh, Keith Moore does not sell his messages. If you go to his ministry or you go on his website, you can download all his messages free of charge. Apostle Joshua Selman does not sell his messages. You can get all his messages free of charge. But Joseph Prince sells his messages. They package it really, really, really well. They give you some, uh, they give you clips and all of that on, on television and on YouTube. But if you want to get the full message, you have to buy it. I have bought some of his DVDs. They are properly, properly you know, packed and the, the level of excellence in the packaging, you'll be happy to pay for it. And it's part of the ways that the ministries uh, generate revenue. It's part of the ways that the ministries generate revenue. Winners, on the other hand, Living Faith Church, they don't care about packaging. They sell their CDs, DVDs to 200 naira. They just want the, the message to get out. They don't care about the packaging. Uh, Bishop Oedipo said he doesn't take a penny from all his books. The, the proceeds from his books 
go into the ministry account. But there are certain other ministers that they require the proceeds from their books for their income. So you, you can't just go around and copying people's lifestyles, copying people's instructions, copying people's uh, 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 ministries because you feel, oh, this is working for this person. So let me do the same thing and it's going to work for me. Sometimes you may be fortunate and it works for you. But a lot of times you may end up being very, very frustrated. Now, let's go back to uh, the scripture we read in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28. Okay, uh, okay, someone is asking a question. Let me let me respond to that very quickly. See, how must one identify their unique identities? Well, the, the thing is this. First of all, it's by coming to the realization that you are unique. Okay? Just understand that you are unique in the way that God has created you. You are not a copy of anybody. You are very, very, very unique. It's as simple as that. And then the next thing you need to begin to do is ask God, okay, um, how? what are your dealings like? How are you dealing with me? What are your dealings in my life? Because like I said, there are lots of ministers out there that God has given a voice and they have a platform. And, you know, if, if, if they are not careful, and a lot of them have not been very careful, you know, they, 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 they preach God's dealings with them and they preach uh, their unique experiences with God. And then they try to make it look like a doctrine. And then they try to make it look like, you know, for you to be anointed, God has to deal with you like this, or you have to be like this, or you have to be like that. So uh, when it comes to identifying your uniqueness, it's just as simple as you coming to the realization that you are unique. Okay, so in our journey of purpose, in our journey of self-discovery, okay, as you are as you are discovering your purpose, do that and have this in, at, at the back of your mind, or like I like to say, at the front of your mind, that you are unique. So even if you are seeing lots of similarities between your assignment and that of another person. There is always that unique feature. Now, um, when, when I was studying film production, we did a course on, on TV commercials, right? And so they taught us a little bit on advertising. And uh, in advertising, there is something called uh, a, a USP or uh, a unique selling proposition. A unique selling proposition. So in other words... If you are if you are selling soap and Mr. B is selling soap and Mr. C is selling soap, okay? Now you are you are trying to advertise your own soap. Okay, so there is something called a unique selling proposition. What that is is what is contained in your product that is not in Mr. B and Mr. C's product. Although you are selling the same the same kind of product, you're selling the same kind of thing, but a unique selling proposition is what is in my own that is not in their own and you are, you are now trying to use that you know to tell people this is why you should buy my product and not their product okay and uh, it, it's it's commonly used in advertising uh and and that is what so you see banks for instance uh in nigeria we have maybe over 25 30 banks i don't know what the numbers are now each of the banks are trying to do commercials okay and then all of them they try to advertise a particular um, aspect of their banking that may not be available in other banking platforms. That is called a unique selling proposition. So although First Bank is a bank, UBA is a bank, GT Bank is a bank, they all have something that they are offering you that other banks cannot offer you. Okay, the same way every human being comes with that unique selling proposition. Although you may have something similar Okay, although your assignment may be similar in a lot of ways to what someone else is doing, there is still that unique factor 
about you and your assignment okay and the only way you can find this out is not by trial and error it's it's just by seeking god and asking god about it well, you know what is different about me or you know when god tells you to do something for instance don't just assume that you know all the details don't just okay so for instance god says okay organize a concert and then the next thing this is what most of us do now the next thing uh someone someone is going to watch house on the rock concert and someone is going to watch experience and someone is going to watch this and then you take the best of each that you like and then you try to you know do your own concert based on that but you see god has given you an instruction to do a concert the next thing is you need to begin to ask god okay um what is the purpose of this concert which people are we reaching out to okay how should i go about it but the problem is a lot of persons just stop short of receiving an instruction, uh, start a church. And then they, they are not trying to find out where should I start the church? Uh, how should I go about it? It's just like Kenneth Higgins said, you know, he said, after 12 years of pastoring, God told him, I have not called you to be a pastor. And he just assumed because in his days, there were two dominant uh, ministries in the fivefold ministry. It was the, the, the office of the pastor and the office of the evangelist. So basically, if you were not a pastor, you were an evangelist. So the likes of Ora Roberts, uh, William Branham, all these people, they were, they were all regarded, you know, as evangelists. So he just assumed, God told him, I have not called you to be a pastor. And, you know, instead of him to sit down, okay, Lord, what have you called me to be, okay? Uh, he just assumed that God had called him to be an evangelist because it was like, okay, if it's not A, it's B. If it's not pastor, it's evangelist. And he went out into the evangelistic ministry or into the field ministry, rather. And he said those two years were some of the most difficult years of his life. You know, his shoes were worn out. His cars were worn out. You know, he, he could barely feed his kids. He could barely get good clothes for his kids. And he went back and asked God and he said, Lord, you know, what's going on? And God said, I didn't call you to be an evangelist. I have called you to be a teacher. You know, so the truth is a lot of times we just run off. We hear we hear um, a little bit of an instruction. And instead of us to try to get the full picture, okay, we just run off with the little that we have heard. So God says start a church. And because you live in Lagos, you just assume that the church is going to be in Lagos. And then you just assume, okay, all the funky churches right now seem to be on the island. So I'm going to put my church on the island. And then you go to Elevation Church, you go to House on the Rock, you go to, you know, all of these churches and you pick things here and there and there and there and there. And then you come and you try to implement the same thing in your own church and then it's not working. And then after a while, it begins to look like God did not call you, but God actually called you. You see, um, I use the life of David a lot. Every time David wanted to make a major move, the Bible says that David inquired of the Lord. Should I go up? And it wasn't just in battle. After Saul died, David asked God, should I go up to my people in Judah? Will they accept me? And God told him, go up. Okay, so it's, it's very important. Uh, you know, David could have easily said, no, God has anointed me king over Israel. At the age of 17, the prophet Samuel, of whom his word never fell to the ground, anointed me. Now Saul is dead. Automatically, I will go and take the throne. But he didn't do that. He asked God, what should I do? God told him, go to your brethren in Judah. And he was crowned king in Judah for seven and a half years. Before Ishbosheth, the son of uh, the, the 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 son of Saul, died, and then the people of Israel said, "You know, come and rule over us." Even when Saul was king, you were the one that led us out and brought us in. Come and rule over us. You know, but David did not just assume. Okay, because David had the opportunity to kill Saul twice. 
it was easy for him to have assumed, okay, the anointing of God is upon me. God has ordained me to be captain of, over Israel, to be king over Israel. If I kill this guy now, the crown comes to me and nobody's going to argue about it. Jonathan was more than happy to play a second fiddle to, 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 to David. So it wasn't going to be a problem. But you see, we need to, we need to learn to understand how God deals with us at every point in time so that we don't, uh, you know, we, we don't leave someone else's pattern because you will leave someone else's pattern and you will be frustrated. There is a specific instruction and requirement concerning your prayer life, concerning your study life, concerning, uh, you know, how you should fast, concerning all of these things. God told Kenneth Hagin, God told Kenneth Hagin, he said, you know what, you fast twice a week and I, you know, I appreciate that and all of that. But God told him, I'd rather you live a fasted life. This was a specific instruction God gave Kenneth Hagin. He said, I'd rather you live a fasted life. And Kenneth Hagin said, what do you mean by a fasted life? And the Lord told him, don't eat all you want. Say, I'd rather, you know, you put a knife to your throat every time instead of, you know, fasting rigorously for a few days and then you're a gluten for the rest of the week. God told him, live a fasted life, so don't eat all you want. You see, so it's, we need to understand how God deals with us to get the best out of you know, the unique assignment that God has given to us. We need to understand the, the, the specific instructions that come with this specific product and how God deals with us. Now, uh, I want to move into, if, 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 if uh, you have any questions, please feel free to ask. But I want to, I want to, I want us to go back to Genesis chapter, chapter 1 and verse 28. And let's take a look at a few things and then we'll probably wrap it up tomorrow. Now, God told, uh, the Bible says that God blessed man and god said be fruitful multiply replenish the earth subdue it and have dominion uh i i, I checked and if you're if you're taking notes please you can write the following down the word uh fruitful is from the hebrew word para p-a-r-a it means to increase to grow to bring fruit okay para it means to 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 increase to grow and to bring fruit the word multiply is from the Hebrew word rabah. It means abundance, it means enlarge, it means excel, it means to be many. The word replenish is from the Hebrew word molo, but it's it's uh, it's it's spelled M-A-L-E, but it's pronounced M-A-W-L-A-W, like molo, okay? And it means to accomplish, to confirm, to overflow, to fill up, to satisfy. And the word subdue means to thread, uh, it's from the Hebrew word kabas, K-A-B-A-S, which means to thread down, to conquer, to subjugate, to force, to keep under, to bring into bondage. And the word dominion is from the Hebrew word rada, which means to tread down, to subjugate, it's very similar to, 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 to the word subdue, okay? Uh, to prevail against, to reign, or to rule over. So basically what God said in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28 was para, rabah, molo, kabas, rada. Okay? Sounds like I'm speaking in tongues. Now let's take a closer look at these things. Um, you know, the purpose of every man will always at the end of the day conform to everything that we just read in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28. Now, if you're, if you're, if you're writing, you can write this down. Uh, 
To be, to be fruitful in simple English terms means to be productive. God expects each and every one of us to be productive. God did not say be seedful. Why? Because he already put the seed inside of us. God said for us to be fruitful. And I wrote this down, okay? Uh, poverty violates the law of productivity. God gives us raw materials, but our productivity brings out the refined and the finished product. Okay, so for instance, uh, you have a natural skill to be a singer, but you need to refine it, and God expects us to be productive. Like Miles Monroe says, God never created a table, okay? He put the table in the tree, okay? Uh, God never manufactured a car, okay? He put the steel for, for the car in the earth. Okay, but God expects us to be productive. So it's not just enough to say, um, this is what God has called me to do. The question we should be asking ourselves is, are we being productive? Are we being productive? Uh, are you using to, to, to profit kingdom-wise? Okay, are you using to profit kingdom-wise what God has put inside of you? And then the, the next part, the, the next word rather, or rather, you can write this down. Poverty is not a lack of resources. Poverty is not a lack of resources. It's a lack of creativity and productivity. And when you look at Nigeria, Nigeria is a typical example. Um, they said there are about 48 uh, sought-after mineral resources in the world, 48 of them. And Nigeria has 40 of them in economic quantity. Okay, there are over 30 trillion metric tons of natural gas in Nigeria. We have been flaring them for 30 years and it has not depleted. I'm talking natural gas. I'm not talking of crude oil. I'm talking natural gas. We've not even started tapping into our natural gas. We have not even started tapping into our coal. South Africa produces electricity with coal, with refined coal. We have so much coal in Okaba, in Enugu. We have so much coal in this country, yet we cannot have uh, you know, steady power supply. Uh, Nigeria has limestone. Uh, I, I can't begin to mention them. We have gold. That is one market that has not even been tapped into yet. If you go into the north, there are people that are refining gold locally. There's a lot of gold in the north. We have cocoa. There is so much we have in this country. But Nigeria recently was declared the poverty capital of the world. So you see, poverty is not a lack of resources. It's a lack of creativity and productivity. Nigeria is a consumer. We are not producers. We are not being productive. So you see, you can have a lot of potential and uh, still not amounts. <laughs> yeah, we are very rich in social media. That's true. <laughs> you know, you, you can have a lot of potential and not amount to much if you are not productive. And when you look at Matthew chapter 25, you know, the servant that the master called wicked and slothful servant, it was very simple. The guy was not productive. The master expected him to be productive and he wasn't. And the master called him wicked and slothful. There are many believers, many human beings on the face of the earth that God has put so much into them, but they are not productive. God expects us to put, to be, to put the things that he has, you know, deposited inside of us god expects us to put a creative use to it he expects us to be productive um, nigeria has no logical reason to be a poor country there are certain countries in the world that maybe have just one or two natural resources united arab emirates they just have oil and look at where they are today 
I think they only just discovered natural gas because their oil reserve has been massively depleted. But they had a, or they have a, 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 a visionary leader that said, okay, we have this oil boom for about 20 years, we're going to make the most of it. And they decided, okay, even if we can no longer make money from oil, we are going to make money from tourism. And now the United Arab Emirates make billions of dollars annually from tourism. Okay, uh, that is productivity. Unfortunately, and I'm going to say this, uh, the church system, when I say the church system, I'm not talking of church the way God designed church to be. I'm talking about church the way man has designed church to be, has hindered and hampered greatly the productivity of believers because now it looks like, uh, uh, you know, whatever you do that is, it's not, uh, that is not churchy, okay, is not of God. But you see, in, in, in Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creation. The word for world there is the Greek word cosmos. Cosmos means the social system of this world. Uh, it, it means, it means the, the system that governs this world. It's, it's not talking about the earth. It's talking about the system of this world. So what Jesus was saying is go into all the systems. The, the religious system, the political system, the financial system, the entertainment system, the media, the family, education. God expects us to go into all of these systems, preach the gospel, and be fruitful. Okay, now the next word is multiply. The word be fruitful means to be productive. Multiply means to reproduce. Okay, to uh, reproduction basically is consistency in delivering quality. And I wrote this down. You can have a good product and still be frustrated if you do not learn to reproduce. Every good leader reproduces himself. What you cannot reproduce will die. Okay, um, we are being greatly blessed by the ministry of Kenneth Hagin today. Even though the man went on to be with the Lord, was it in 2003 or in 2001? I can't remember. I think 2003. Yes, 2003. He went home to be with the Lord. But we are still being, you know, blessed by his ministry. More people have had the opportunity to attend Rhema today than they did when Kenneth Hagin was alive, you know, in the body. Why? Because there was a system of reproduction. Okay. Now try to imagine if Toyota only brought out one car every year. It might be an, you know, it might be an expensive car for all I care, but nobody's going to know about Toyota. Why? Because they did not reproduce. The truth is, uh, I'm, I'm going to say this. I believe that the church system, again, when I say the church system, I'm not talking about the church the way God designed it to be. I'm talking about the church the way man has designed it to be. I believe the church system has... Uh, has violated the principle of reproduction or rather is even against the law of reproduction why um reproduction in the church system right now is is only as far as planting branches okay of its of the same ministry is concerned yes it is a form of reproduction but i also believe very strongly uh if a father has a son right if, if you have a child male or female at some point you are going to expect your child to step out of the house and have his or her own family but you see people that have been in a ministry and served 10, 15, 20, 30 years and they say, okay, the Lord is asking me to go and start a work somewhere and then all hell breaks loose. Now, this, 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 is, this is not of God. It's not, it's not a kingdom agenda. It's a selfish agenda. Because as a matter of fact, you should consider it a compliment that God has considered somebody under your tutelage to be worthy 
of, 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 of handling their own assignment. Okay, but unfortunately, there are many people with visions that, that are concealed because they are afraid that if they speak to their superiors, then it's going to be a problem. And you see, this is why I really respect the Igbo people, right? I really, really respect the Igbo people. And they, 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 um, they, they apply this scriptural principle. Um, you know, the, the Bible even says in, in, in the book of Deuteronomy, if you have a slave, somebody that has worked with you for seven years, after seven years, release the person and give the person enough substance. And the Igbo people practice this principle, okay? Somebody goes under a master, learns a trade for a particular number of years, and then the master releases the person and gives the person money to start his or, uh, his own business. It's mostly males, yes, his own business, okay? And that's why you see there is no corner you go into in Nigeria that you will not see Igbo people doing business. Why? Because they have applied the law of reproduction. Okay, but unfortunately, in the body of Christ, we resist this. Okay, uh, we only believe in reproduction to the degree that, okay, somebody is living here to start another branch of my ministry. So listen, it is not your ministry. It's the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's just the part that, you know, God has given you to play in the ministry of Jesus Christ. At the end of the day, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So you have to decide if it is your church or the Lord's church. You know, I remember when uh, I, I was reading uh, a book and uh, um, Jerry Savelle, after working with Kenneth Copeland for a few years, God started talking to him about going to start a ministry in the same city. And first of all, Jerry Savelle really loved Kenneth Copeland and he didn't want to mess that relationship up because he had seen how so many relationships had been messed up because somebody said, God asked me to leave. Okay, and so for a long time, for months, he didn't say anything about it. And Kenneth Copeland, thank God for men that are led by the Spirit. Okay, Kenneth Copeland looked at Jerry Savelle and said, The Lord has been asking you to do something, and you've not done anything about it. And Jerry Savelle said, Yes, actually, that the Lord told me to leave and to study work in the same Fort Worth, Texas, and that he was just afraid because, uh, you know, he wasn't sure what Kenneth Copeland's reaction was going to be. And Kenneth Copeland said, You know what? I think it's better for you to leave because when you leave, we can cover twice as much ground for the kingdom. You see, that was his reasoning. When you leave, we can, because when you are here, it's Kenneth Copeland ministry. You can only go where I go. You can only do what I do. But when you leave, you can do your own thing and I can do my own thing. And guess what? Kenneth Copeland packed up the recording system that he was using and he sold it into Jerry Savio's ministry. You see, I heard that uh, Pastor Sam Adeyemi does that also for pastors that leave his ministry. This is somebody that understands the principle of reproduction. And when we talk about reproduction, it's not only in ministry sense, it's in every other sense. Uh, God expects us to reproduce, uh, not just in the in the physical sense or in the biological sense, but God expects us whatever He has put inside of us to number one be productive with it, and number two to reproduce. Okay, so be fruitful means to be productive. To uh, multiply means to reproduce. To replenish means to distribute. And I wrote this down. No matter how good your product, no matter how many copies you have made, it will not profit you much if you do not distribute it. And, you know, this is why the Bible says in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 that, you know, and you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me first in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Okay. It is, it is a system of distribution. 
it is a system of distribution and so we need to begin to uh, you know analyze our lives okay um am i being productive am i reproducing am i reproducing myself am i reproducing uh the the things that god has put inside of me okay am i distributing you see uh let, let, let me tell us something we know a lot of ministers today you know international ministers for one simple reason they applied the principle of distribution. They used the media. They may not necessarily be the most anointed. You may go to your village and you see one old Baba that is very, very, very anointed. But nobody has heard of him. Nobody will ever hear of him apart from the people in his locality. Why? Because he did not reproduce and he did not distribute. Okay. This is important. Why? Because it takes us to the last aspect. Like I said, to subdue and to have dominion, they mean pretty much the same thing. And we can, you know, we can circle it all into one word, control. God wants us to control this world. Now, what is happening with the coronavirus is more or less an experiment. Okay? A few persons have sat down in a room and they've decided, you know what, let's find out if we can actually control the world. And, you know, right now they control where people go, they control how much money people make, they control pretty much everything because this is an experiment. Okay, um, the world system is trying very hard. That is where socialism and communism comes from. It's, it's all, you know, it's, it's all in a, in a need to control what happens. You know, even in our own country right now, uh, the, 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 the ruling party are trying to control the media. It's all about control. And it's unfortunate because, let me, let, 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 let me, let me try and close here. There are seven mountains, right? I know most of us know about this. There are seven mountains of society. There's the mountain of religion. There's a mountain of politics and government. There's the mountain of finance and economy. There's the mountain of, uh, you know, entertainment and art. Sports fall into that category. There's the mountain of uh, media and communication. There's the, there's the family mountain. And then there's the mountain of education. Right now, the church is even struggling to dominate the mountain of religion. In some countries, yes, the church is dominating the mountain of religion. But that's, that's the best that we have done. In politics, we, we, we try to run away from politics because we say it's a dirty game. Politics is a dirty game. And the more we run away from it, the dirtier it gets. Okay? Finances and economy, we only do as much as... You know, we require people just want to have money. They don't care about the systems that control it. They just want to have enough money in their pocket. Entertainment. Ah, it's a dirty industry. No, don't go there. Entertainment. Okay. Um, a lot of us, those of us that attended Nigerian universities, you know how messed up the educational system is. Uh, right now, there are lots of Christian universities coming up. And we believers are part of the people condemning, you know, uh, the, 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 the founders of this university saying, why are your universities so expensive? Uh, when the missionaries came, you know, they made education free. Uh, you, you really want to compare the quality of education that the missionaries... Now, we're not trying to take anything away from them, but you need to understand that, number one, primary education is nothing to be compared to tertiary education. Number two, the quality of education that the missionaries brought, basically they built the structures that they could build and they were the ones doing the teaching. They didn't have to pay teachers. Number three, even the missionaries had funding 
from abroad. Okay, so it's unfair for us to expect people to build universities, employ teachers, employ non-academic staff, and then, you know, if you want the university to be cheap, it's not going to be of very good quality. And that's, that's the truth about it. If you want it to be of very good quality, excellence is expensive. It's as simple as that. Yes, investment in research alone is a lot of money. Thank you, uh, thank you, Mr. Michael. Investment in research alone is a lot of money. Uh, Michael Zane, I used to be an analyst at the University of Toronto Teaching Hospital. The research budget of the teaching hospital is more than our nation's budget. Now that is that that is that is crazy. You know, people say, why do Nigerians not come up with vaccines? It's very simple. Um, we go to Abuja and see the research institutes. They are empty. They don't even have electricity. No, they don't even have electricity. How do you use an electron microscope without electricity? You know, but, you know, back, back to what I was saying. We are very passionate about religion, but, uh, you know, politics, Christians are running away from it for obvious reasons. Finances and economy, we want money, but we don't really know how the system works. That's the truth about it. When it comes to arts and entertainment, ah, that one is like a no-go area. You know, I've heard pastors, you know, warn church members not to go into, into media, not to go into, into entertainment industry. But you see, the problem is this. When you return from work, when your kids return from school, they turn on the television. It's not Benny Hinn they are watching on television. They are going to watch sports. They are going to watch cartoons. They are going to watch movies. Okay. Now, if it is something that is so important and it's a part of our day-to-day -day life, don't you think that it is important that we dominate these sectors as well? You know, Christians believe that believers should only do Christian movies and believers should only do secular music. Well, I beg to disagree. Um, I believe, now let me say this, what is gospel music? Gospel music is not, is not music that mentions Jesus. You know, when they say, Al Kelly has gone gospel, or Nicki Minaj did a gospel song. No, they didn't do gospel song. They just sang, and then they mentioned Jesus. In the book of Mark chapter 5 and verse 7, a demon mentioned Jesus. He said, Jesus, son of the most high God, have you come to destroy us before our time? A demon called Jesus. So calling Jesus in a song does not make you a gospel musician. Uh, uh, just like that demon calling Jesus did not make him a preacher. In Acts chapter 16, we know of a demon-possessed girl. That, that looked at Paul and Silas and said, you know, these are the people that have come to show us the way, you know. And Paul rebuked her and cast the devil out of her. What she said was true. But you see, it's not just about what is said. The spirit behind what is said is important. The spirit saying what is being said is important. You see, so um, when we talk about gospel music, how does the Bible define the gospel? In Romans chapter 1 verse 16, Paul said, I am not afraid of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation. So it can only be called the gospel if it produces power unto salvation. The word for salvation there is the Greek word soteria, which means deliverance, healing, uh, prosperity, okay, and then salvation. So the truth is, if your music is not lifting the spirits of people and it's not ministering salvation to the mind and to the spirit, then it is not gospel. And this is why you can listen to a South African song and you don't understand what they are saying but your spirit is uplifted. Why? Because of the spirit behind it. You can just be listening to a chant, okay? They are not saying anything, but because of the spirit backing it, your spirit is uplifted. So it is the spirit behind it that determines if it is gospel or not. Simply because you call Jesus doesn't make it gospel. Simply because you are calling Jesus in your song does not make you a gospel musician. 
Is it so there are lots of people out there calling Jesus, but they are not gospel musicians. It's the same way. If believers with the right spirit and with the right attitude, and let me say this, if you believe that God is calling you into the entertainment industry, let me break this to you. You are going to have to be twice more spiritual than the preacher. Because you see, the preacher is preaching in a controlled environment. He's preaching in the church. You are going into the devil's territory. Because right now, Satan is dominating that industry. You are going into the devil's territory. So you have to fortify yourself. Look at uh, Tyler Perry, for instance. He was frustrated out of Hollywood. But he was so determined. And he has created his own film studio. And they said his studio is bigger than Universal Studio, uh, Disney Studio. Like four studios combined. Okay, but you see, this is a battle, and I am saying this because I'm really passionate about it. God expects us to dominate every area of our existence. You know, um, you know, we, we may not call it mountains of society, we call it mountains of society just for the sake of you know clarity and all of that, you know. But like I said, there's no scriptural, there's no scripture that says there are seven mountains of society, this, that, 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 that. No, there's no scripture. But when we look at our environment and we look at our society, these are like the areas that control almost every aspect, you know, of the society. Religion, politics, and government. You know, the truth is, we are in Nigeria now, as born again as we are. The people in Asu Rock make regulations. And even if you don't agree with it, it affects you. Even if you don't agree with it, it affects you. What is happening in the entertainment industry, even if you like it or not, it affects you. What is happening in the media and communications industry, whether you like it or not, it affects you. You can post something on YouTube and they decide to take it down. They own it. You can decide to post something on Facebook and they block your account. They own it. They can decide today, Mike Zuckerberg can decide today and say, I don't want to see Jesus on Facebook again. And there is nothing you and I will be able to do about it. We will either have to conform or we will shut down our accounts. That's the worst that we can do. Okay? And then, of course, family. Uh, family really is the bedrock of society. I believe everybody knows that. And guess what? At the end of the day, the media and the entertainment industry has a stronger hold on family than a lot of us realize. You know, the things that kids watch, the things that people watch, it, it influences their thinking. It, you know, and then education, of course, like I said, uh, for those of us that have that attended Nigerian universities, you, you understand there's a lot of nonsense going on there. A lecturer can just look at you and say, you are going to fail my course. And you will fail that course. It does not matter, you know, whether you are intelligent or not, whether I did well or not. Now, try to imagine how many people's self-esteem have been shattered because of a poor educational system. Now, can you now see that, you know, when God calls men, he's not just calling us to be preachers. He's not just calling us to go into church, which is religion. It's just one over seven. God expects us to dominate every other sector. And this is why, you know, when I said, you know, be productive, be reproductive, distribute and control. Uh, the, the, the parable in, in, the, in the book of Luke, when, the, when the, the, the Bible says that, you know, a man was going to take a kingdom for himself. And then, you know, he gave, you know, uh, responsibility to his servants. What did the master say? He said, occupy till I come. And that is what, now think about it. When Jesus returns in the millennium, he's going to dominate all of these sectors. He's going to dominate absolutely every sector. And that dominion mandate is still on us today. God expects us to dominate. Uh, let me see if I can look for that scripture as we, as we close. I think it's Luke chapter 19 from verse, uh, from verse 12. 
He said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. You know, uh, some other translation says, Do business till I come. Okay, but God wants us to occupy. God wants us to dominate. And it's not enough uh, for us to be taking census and be saying and be celebrating in the fact that there are more professing Christians in Nigeria than there are Muslims or whatever. No, 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 no. There's a lot more to that. There's a lot more to our existence than playing church. Because at the end of the day, we will go and play church and then we will come out and the people that we have left in these other sectors, all these demonic people, when they make regulations, it will affect us as born again as we are. Okay, so I, I want us to when we when we when we when we consider our purposes, we should, you know, look beyond church, the four walls of the church. Like I said, at the end of the day, if we will fulfill purpose, it is always going to uh, link back back to the original instruction that God gave men: be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, and have dominion. Okay. Uh, when when you look at when we look at Archbishop Benson in Dahusa in his days, right? Uh, he was he was fruitful. We know he was productive. We know he multiplied. Uh, people like Archbishop Sam Sam Sinamaga, people like Bishop Oyedeko. Uh, there, there are so many ministers that you know that that uh, that were greatly impacted on you know uh, by his ministry. Okay, and then uh, when, when we look at uh, you know, uh, I mean, Archbishop Benson Idawuza, although he died like over two, how many years now? 20, 22 years ago. Okay, his ministry is still making impact all over the world. And he was a dominant figure, which is one time said they wanted to hold a meeting in Benin. And he said that that meeting is cancelled. And it was cancelled. Archbishop Benson Idawuza went to, when, when they made Abuja the federal capital territory, he went to IBB then and he said, Give me land for church. And IBB said, uh, okay, take this. He said, no, not land for my church. Enough land for church. And then they gave him a section of area one. For those of us that know Abuja, in those days, that place was called Church Village. Most of the churches in Abuja today started from there. Uh, where you have Dominion Chapel, where you have uh, uh, the school, the Word of, uh, Word of Faith School, that's uh, uh, Archbishop's school. Where you have Dunamis. Living Faith was there before they moved to Durumi. Okay, so many churches there. This was somebody that was a dominant figure. And he told the president, who was a Muslim, give me land. And he gave him land. You see, we need to, we need to be more, we need to dominate more than we are doing. Uh, Mr. Michael is asking, what must we do to take over these mountains? Must we focus on only one mountain? Well, the truth is, uh, this is, this is, okay, thank you for asking, thank you for asking this question. You know, you need to understand the area where God has called you and then you focus on that. You know, you need, you need to find out the area that God has called you. So the reason I'm saying this is so that when we are thinking in terms of our purpose and our calling, we are not just thinking, okay, what role do I have to play in the four walls of the church? No, there are some people that God is calling into the, the, the education, you know, into, into education to... to you know, to dominate that field. It, it's like this. Every area that God has called you, what is expected of you is to be productive, to reproduce, okay, to, to distribute and to dominate. This is all I have been trying to say. You have to be productive. So even if you are a pastor, produce, reproduce, 
okay distribute dominate take control if you are in education produce reproduce distribute dominate if you are in media and entertainment industry produce reproduce okay distribute dominate that's that's what i am saying some people may be are able to cut across more than one mountain at the same time but some persons maybe god has just planted you in the in, in education some persons god has planted you in finance some persons god has planted you in religion some persons you know god has planted you in politics you know we need believers in politics you know the bible says that when the righteous prosper the people rejoice when the wicked perish, there are shouts of joy. Uh, and then there's another scripture that says, uh, when the wicked rule, the people groan. Okay, uh, we are groaning right now in Nigeria because of the kind of leadership that we have. Okay, the, the truth is, it always helps when it is a righteous man on the throne. Anyway, I, I hope, I hope um, I've been able to communicate certain, certain truths to us today. Um, sometimes we may... We may rightly know that God wants us to do something, but we may be wrong about the place and the time. Okay? And naturally, if God says, start a church now, then you are thinking, okay, God wants me to start a church where I am. Or you may be talking of somewhere completely different. You know, the, the problem sometimes is just the location. Okay? You, you may be the right person wanting to do the right thing, but if you are in the wrong place, then... Uh... So sometimes it's, it's not a problem of what we, we are supposed to do. A lot of times it's a problem of us wanting to do it in the wrong place. No matter how good a fish is at swimming, it cannot swim in sand. It cannot. Okay, so it's just like that. So getting, you know, getting, knowing what to do is important. Also knowing where to do it is, is also very, very, very important. Okay, so um, please, if you, if you forget every other thing that I have said, remember this, that God expects us to dominate. Personally, I, was, uh, I didn't complete this thought I was saying earlier. I believe we need believers in the movie industry, not just doing Christian movies, but also circular movies. And I also believe that we need believers in the secular music industry. I'm talking of sound believers. I'm not talking of believers. Because the truth is this. You go to Christian parties and then they are playing secular music. Why? Because you cannot play Don Moen in a party. Let's be honest about it. And then you want to sing a love song to your wife and you don't know any love song. You, you now have to take a song that was dedicated to Jesus and you swap Jesus and put your wife's name there. You know, but what I'm, <laughs> you know, but what I'm saying is this. Uh, there, there is not, when you think about it, Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, How I Wonder What You Are, it's not a gospel music, right? It's not, it's not gospel, right? And our children sing all these nursery rhymes at school, and we don't see anything wrong with that. Our national anthem is not gospel music, but we sing it, and we don't see anything wrong with it. I believe if we actually have believers out there giving us secular content, we will have a, is it, should I say saner or a more sane? I'm not sure which one is correct, but you know what I'm trying to say. You know, environment. I believe if we have believers in the movie industry controlling things, controlling the content, I believe it would be a lot better for us than for us to be censoring, you know, things. I, right now, there are cartoons that children are supposed to watch and they are putting, the, you know, in a very subtle way. <laughs> you know, in a very subtle way, they are putting adult themes. These days, even in cartoons, they are trying to show children that it's okay to be gay. They are trying to, you know, try to indoctrinate children to let them know that marriage should not just be between a man and a woman, and marriage can be between a man and a man and a woman and a woman. Even your emojis now on your phones, they are trying to, you know, pass this message. Why? They control the system. 
we must drive to that point of control. Sorry, I'm 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 very I'm I'm just very very passionate about uh, you know about reformation. Uh, it's not it's not enough for us to have revivals in our ministries. You know, we need to go a step further into reformation, and reformation means to dominate. It means to dominate the system. It means to dominate the media, to dominate government, to dominate the health sector, to dominate finances, to dominate education, to dominate everything. Because you see, uh, you 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 go to church once, twice at most a week, but the rest of the week you are being exposed to their system. You know, you try to teach your children uh, uh, beautiful things at home, but then they go to school and you cannot control what they are being exposed to at school you don't know what influences their teachers are under my children will never go to a boarding school never never because you know the people in that place you don't know what is controlling them you know you don't know what influences thank god for christian schools these days do you see why we need to dominate every sector thank god for christian schools thank god for kingdom heritage thank god for faith academy that at least you can send your children there and to an extent you, you can say okay 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 they are not going to say such things to them you know it's very 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 important because people i mean people that were believers in nigeria go to the uk go to the us go to canada they go to school and then they say certain things to them and then they come back home brainwashed and they say they are atheists they don't believe in god anymore so in everything we do, in everything we do, in whatever area of society, whatever area of life that God has called you to make a difference, make sure you, do, you, know, you don't just stop at doing what I can do. No, let your goal be to dominate. Let the goal be to dominate. Amen.